This past Wednesday, when I saw Allison's video for the first time, the one that you watched just a few minutes ago, when I saw it for the first time, my first words were, I never would have guessed that about her. I didn't know that. But you see, that's the beauty of Easter. No matter what our lives have been like in the past, our story can change. No matter what we've been through with our family and all kinds of situations and the decisions that we've made, our lives can be different because of the resurrection. See, the story of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection is really the ultimate makeover story. Do you understand that when God raised Jesus from the dead, He was not just showing what He could do, He was showing what He would do for you. If you'll let him. Do you understand that when God raised Jesus from the dead, he was not just showing us what he can do for Jesus. He's showing us what he can do for us. If we'll let him. There's a verse I want you to see. This is not our main text, but we're going to put it on the screen. I just want you to look at this verse with me. It says, when we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of our Father, look at this, we too may live a what? A new life. Just like Christ was raised from the dead. He can bring what is dead in our lives to life. And we too, the Bible says, can live a new life. You see, the truth that matters is that Easter and the empty tomb is not for Jesus. Easter and the empty tomb was not for Jesus. It was for us. Look at this scripture on the screen, Romans 4.25. It says, He was delivered, that means crucified, over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Easter is not just an amazing story in the Bible. Easter is God's way of showing us that our lives can be different. Easter is God's way of showing us that regardless of what's in our past, regardless of the decisions we've made in our past, our future can be different. Easter is a way of of showing us that God has power we don't have. That He can do what we can't do. That your past can be erased. Your sins can be forgiven. Your story can be rewritten. And your future can be better than you ever dreamed. But how does it all work? How can the empty tomb change my empty life? It's a very good question. How can the empty tomb change my empty life? Or to ask it another way. How does what happened 2,000 years ago change my life today? That is a fair question. And thankfully, God answers that question for us in Scripture. I want you to open God's Word with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you don't have a Bible, we're going to put the text up on the screen You can follow along as we read, but what I'd like to ask you to do right now is to stand in honor of God's Word as we read it together. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we're just going to be reading five verses. It 
Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. That Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. And after that, He appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then He appeared to James and then to all the apostles. And last of all, He appeared to me also as the one abnormally born. Paul was saying, listen, This thing about the resurrection was so important that we understand it and that we grasp it and that we believe it. He didn't just come out of the grave, but but Paul says, you need to understand something. He appeared to people after that. Yes, there would be people who said the disciples stole his body, but he appeared to people. Yes, there would be people who said he's still in the grave, but he appeared to people. On the day of his resurrection... He met people and spoke to people. And for 40 days, the Scripture says, He gave evidence and proof that He is alive. He appeared to people. Because He wanted to convince them. And He wanted to convince us. He is alive. Thank you. Would you be seated? I've got a very simple outline for you today, a very simple message that I want to share with you today regarding the resurrection. And the first thing I want you to understand is this. The resurrection is good news to be shared. The word gospel simply means good news. And the resurrection is the gospel, but it's part of the gospel. And the resurrection is good news to be shared. Paul said that in verse 3. Look at the text. For what I received, I passed on to you as a first importance. What I received, I passed on to you. The message Paul was saying, listen, what I'm sharing with you did not originate with me. I received it. But it also did not stop with me because I passed it on to you. What I received, I passed on to you. The message of the resurrection, the good news of the gospel, is to be shared. And then he describes this gospel this way. He says, as of first importance. You can see that on the screen. As of first importance. In other words, this is not just important. It's the most important thing I could share with you. This is not just important. It is the most important thing that you need to know. Paul then summarizes the gospel for us in the rest of the text. And In verses 3 through 5, he gives us the most complete and concise summary of the gospel in all of Scripture. And here's how he describes it, beginning in verse 3. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. And here's the gospel in a nutshell. That Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. That's the gospel. 
Now, here's what I'd like to ask you to do. If you mark your Bible, if you're one of those people and you're willing to highlight and mark and circle and underline, I've got a couple of things I want you to mark in your Bible. I would like for you to underline these, this phrase, according to the Scriptures. You'll see it there twice. According to the Scriptures. Christ died according to the Scripture. He was buried and raised according to the Scriptures. You know what Paul is saying to you and to me? He's saying that when Jesus experienced death, and we experienced the burial, and then when he experienced the resurrection, it was not by accident. It was all part of God's plan. And ladies and gentlemen, you need to understand something. The bedrock of our faith is that God was planning from the beginning of the world what happened in Jerusalem that is described in these verses that Christ died according to the Scriptures, that He was buried and raised according to the Scriptures. That is the foundation, the bedrock of our faith. And everything else we believe springs out of that. Everything else we believe about the Bible and about our faith springs out of that foundational truth. You see, there, not one New Testament book would have been written without that. Not one church would have been planted without that truth. Not one missionary would have been sent out. Had it not been for the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we would have no reason to be here today. The reason we're here today is not just because Jesus lived, but because He still lives. That's why we're here today. Christianity is built on one simple thing. Listen to this. Upstairs, down here, listen to this. Christianity is built on one simple thing. Jesus was dead, and then he wasn't. Jesus was dead, and then he wasn't. That's what turned his disciples from cowards to men of courage. That's why there wasn't a church, and then another day, there was a church. That's why there wasn't a movement, and then all of a sudden there was a movement. That's why the disciples were hiding, and then later they were standing in the streets of Jerusalem preaching. Because suddenly, Jesus was dead, and they knew it. And then He wasn't. See, the resurrection is the nail on which all of Christianity hangs. We would have no Savior if it were not for the resurrection. Now, I know that his death on the cross is vitally important to our faith, and I'm not trying to, to, to lessen that in any form or fashion, but I want you to hear me well. Had Jesus not come up out of the grave, his death on the cross would not have meant anything to us. You see, anybody could claim they were the Messiah. Anybody could claim they were dying for the sins of the world. Any liar or lunatic could sacrifice himself and say, I'm dying for the sins of the world. Anybody could make that claim. But when he was dead, and then he wasn't, it proved he was who he said he was. Without the resurrection, we would have no hope. But with the resurrection, our story can be different. Charles Stanley put it this way. He said, without the resurrection, all we have is a dream of eternal life and a hope of forgiveness. But with it, we have God's guarantee that Christ is our Savior from sin. So I want to ask you a question today. 
Why do you believe? I'm not asking what you believe, but I'm asking you why you believe. You know, over the years I've discovered people believe for, for different reasons. Some believe simply because they've investigated things about that particular religion. They, they believe what they believe because they've done a lot of reading, they've done some personal investigation, and they've come to a conclusion, and, and they believe what they believe because of personal investigation. They were, they were curious. They started reading. They were, they were wondering. They were whatever. They, but it, something led them to investigate, and they believed. Now, whether they believed in Jesus or not is not what I'm talking about, but because they investigated, they they believe. Some people also believe for another reason. Some people believe in whatever it is they believe in because that was the family they were born into. Family taught them what to believe. You know that we've been in Thailand, and it's a place that will break your heart if you go, and I want to show you one picture that I just can't forget. Look at this picture. This is on a mountain called Doi Kham. On the mountain there, uh, they have probably an eight-story statue of Buddha. And there are probably a hundred or more idols scattered around that mountain, and people are bowing down, praying to, making offerings to these idols. You can't tell it perhaps in the picture from where you're seated, but in the top right-hand corner there is an idol under a shed there. And this young man is praying to this idol. He's offering incense and, and, and praying to this idol. But the heartbreaking thing beyond that was this little boy doing what he saw daddy do. And if you were to ask him a few years from now, son, why do you believe what you believe? He would say, I believe what I believe because that's what my family believes. I believed what I what I believe because my father taught me this. That's why I believe. I want to ask you that question one more time. Why do you believe whatever it is that you believe? I know perhaps you've had some family influence, but lots of people turn away from their family influence as they grow old or as they grow up. And so I want to ask you one more time. Why is it you believe what you believe? Here's why I believe what I believe about Jesus. Jesus was dead, and then he wasn't. And the world hasn't been the same since. See, Christianity is not built on a philosophy. Christianity is not built on a code of conduct. Christianity is built on one thing, the empty tomb. Christianity is built on one thing, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that he was dead and then he wasn't. In fact, look at what Paul says about this in verse 14, chapter 15, verse 14. Paul says, and if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What if we're preaching about the cross? That's fine. The cross is essential to our faith, but without the resurrection, it is useless. Look what he says in verse 19. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we're to be pitied more than all men. And look what he says in verse 17. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. 
See, ladies and gentlemen, the resurrection is essential to our salvation. It is essential to our faith. The resurrection is, is good news that needs to be shared because it is essential to our faith. Here's the second thing. It's real quickly. The resurrection is good news that needs to be received. Not just shared. That's what I'm doing with you right now. I'm sharing with you. I'm preaching to you the good news. But the resurrection also needs to be received. Paul said that in chapter 15, the first two verses. He says, now brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preach to you, just like I'm preaching to you now. I want to remind you of the gospel that I preach to you, which you have, there's the word, which you have received, and on which you have taken your stand. I'm wondering, I don't know you Personally, some of you, many of you I do know, but some of you I don't know. Uh, some of you, of you, this is your first time here, or for some of you, you've been here for many, many years. But I can't look past your face. I can't see in your heart, not your head, but your heart. And so I'm wondering, I'm wondering if this is a gospel you have received and on which you have taken your stand. I hope you have. But if you haven't, I want you to listen closely. The other day I was reading a magazine, one day this week, I was just reading the magazine, reading a, a particular article, and, and as I got to the end of the article, or actually it was near the end, I wasn't quite there yet, I, I stopped and I asked myself out loud, I said, I wonder who wrote this? And so I, I began to look. I looked at the front of the article, I didn't see the author's name, and I looked at the, the end of the article, and there was the author's name, and then I knew who wrote it. The reason that is important is because I had enough sense to know that magazine articles don't just appear on paper. There has to be an author to the story. And it's the same in your life as well. There's an author to your story. And listen carefully, I'll tell you who the author is. The author is either you or it's God. And those are your two choices. You remember... Allison's testimony. For many years, the author of her life was Allison. She made some really bad decisions because the author of her life was Allison. But then she made the best decision she could ever make when she decided to let the author of her story be God. And I wonder if you've made that decision. Paul says, I've declared, I've preached this gospel to you that you have received and on which you've taken your stand. Have you done that? Has there been that time and that place where you definitely, without question, said, God, I want you to be the author of my story. And regardless of what's in my past, regardless of what I've done, regardless of what I've believed or where I've been, God, from this day forward, I want you to write the rest of my story. And God, I believe you can change my life because I believe that Jesus Christ was dead and then he wasn't. You see, I've come to tell you something today. It's not just that Jesus Christ was alive, but Jesus Christ is alive. He is alive today. And that's the reason he can change your life as well. You know, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5 says, Examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves and see. That's what I'm going to ask you to do right now. 
I'm going to ask for your participation. I know we got lots of people here and up on the balcony everywhere else, but I need everybody to participate. I want you to examine yourself and test yourself and see, have I really received this good news? And is it that good news upon which I now stand? Your decision today is a decision that could change where you spend eternity. Your decision today could be a decision that changes the rest of your story, just like it did for Allison. And the reason I said about her at the, at the beginning, I never would have guessed that about her. I never would have known that. It's because she's such a different person now. And as sweet and as wonderful as she is, she's not different because of her goodness. She's different because she eventually said, God, I want you to be the author of my story. I want you to write the rest of the pages. I wonder if you have received that gospel. If you've received the good news that Christ can change your life. And if you'd like to do that, if you'd like to make, place your faith in Christ today, I'm going to lead you in a prayer and you'll be able to, to, to pray with me. You can pray out loud or you can pray silently. There's nothing magical about the words we're going to say, but it's the commitment of your heart. And perhaps you would like to pray this prayer with me now to, to trust Christ as your Savior. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner, and I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins, according to the Scriptures. God, I believe that He was buried and resurrected. I believe that you brought him back from the grave and that you can change my life too. So God, I'm asking you now, Lord Jesus, would you come into my heart and be my Savior? Lord Jesus, would you come into my life and change me? Would you write a different story? Would you be the author of my life? Thank you for saving me on this Easter Sunday. Thank you for the forgiveness that you've promised me. And today I take my stand on this truth. Jesus was alive, or was dead, but now he's alive. So Father, I thank you for what the people are going to do today for the lives that will be changed. I thank you most of all for Jesus Christ, who makes the difference. In his name I pray.